music only means one thing, right? That means Matt Pauley's got another basketball game to do, and I'm Greg Matzik sitting in on Brewers Weekly for another hour. Let's light up the hot stove, shall we, Ashton? Light a match in there, will you? Actually, you could light a match for more reasons than just uh, kicking up the hot stove, but we won't get into that. Fajita night in the producer studio as uh, Ashton Rotman produces the program. Greg Hill looking on, as he always does. 414-799-1620, the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, if you'd like to join us on the program tonight. Over the next hour, we will dive into a bunch of different things, a lot of different angles, a lot of things cooking with this Milwaukee Brewers team approaching Spring training, less than a month away from pitchers and catchers reporting. Coming up next, Corey Spangenberg, one of the newest members of the Brewers, will join us. He'll be in Milwaukee for the Brewers on Deck event on January 27th. We'll get his thoughts on uh, coming to Milwaukee as a free agent. He signed on January 4th. It's kind of where I want to start the program, is uh, just to sort of do a reset of where the Brewers stand. What has happened here this offseason of significance? Because it was about this time a year ago... We were having discussions on this program about, boy, the Brewers, it just feels like they need to add a starting pitcher. That was part of the conversation. We knew there were some rumblings about trades, and ultimately it turned into Christian Yelich. The signing of Lorenzo Cain had happened on the same night, January 25th. We were in the middle of a Sports Central program, and, well, the the rest of the show just sort of wrote itself on that particular night. So... Who knows what is to come here from David Stearns, but what has happened already? A little walk down memory lane here as we uh, connect the dots as to how the Brewers arrived where they are today. First move of significance that happened for the Brewers this offseason, I'll go back to December, and that was the signing of Jimmy Nelson. So he avoided arbitration. It was a foregone conclusion he'd be back. He is back on a pretty modest contract. And it's a big prove-me sort of year for Jimmy Nelson. Is he the guy who was... You know, a two-and-a-half ERA guy a couple of years ago as he rebounded from his injury. We know he's back to feeling better, and he'll break camp with the Brewers. He'll start camp with the Brewers and, uh, I assume, factor into the rotation at some way uh, this coming season. So that was the first move of significance, signing Jimmy Nelson and avoiding arbitration. The Brewers then uh, did a trade, and they acquired reliever Alex Claudio from the Texas Rangers. They also traded Domingo Santana to the Seattle Mariners, Ben Gamble, among the players to come back as part of that deal. Signing Corey Spangenberg on January 4th. They traded Keon Broxton to the Mets. Bobby Wall is the name of note to come back in a three-player deal. And then a bunch of guys avoided arbitration and signed with the Brewers. Claudio avoided arbitration. So did Zach Davies, Junior Guerra, Corey Knable, Travis Shaw, and Manny Pena. And the latest move for the Brewers, was the signing of Yasmani Grandal. So January has been a pretty active month. It's been more about getting your ducks in a row, getting players on board, avoiding arbitration, and just starting to fill out your roster. Now, the addition of Grandal is interesting. We know that connecting the dots is a lot of fun, but it can get us in trouble. So am I connecting the dots too much, Aston, when I note that Grandal is in, Manny Pena's back, avoiding arbitration, and Eric Kratz is not coming to Brewers on deck. I think am you're, am I you're reading too much? Am I well. reading too much between the lines on that? No, you're doing your job. Now the Brewers did swing a deal for Kratz. Uh, it will not cost him a lot of money if he plays. It will not cost him a lot of money if he doesn't end up with the team. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing him back in a coaching capacity. He's just the kind of guy you'd like to have around. Um, but you know they've made some moves to avoid arbitration. That's good. 
So the bulk of this roster is in place. It's kind of the fine-tuning point now between now and you know the middle part of February or March where things could change. Now, remember, it was very quiet last year, extremely quiet, and it's very quiet again this year. The biggest dominoes last year were pitchers. The big dominoes this year are 26-year-old position players, Manny Machado and Bryce Harper. You'll hear some trade rumblings for Sonny Gray. You'll hear Dallas Keuchel's name bantered about. I don't know that the Brewers are going to make a big splash in pitching. I think they'll sign a second baseman you feel comfortable with. And I'm not ruling out Wade Miley's return to the Brewers. They didn't find him until March last year. February or March. I mean, it was late in the game before Wade Miley was in the fold, and he became a pretty important piece to the puzzle for the Brewers. So that's where we stand today, January 17, 2019. Roughly three months until the season begins, a little more than three months. Lots can change between now and then. Earlier this month, the Brewers reached a deal with utility man Corey Spangenberg. One of the newest members of the Brewers will join us after this on WTMJ. Welcome back into Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Greg Matz again for Matt Pauly tonight. We'd love to hear from you on the program, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Brewers on deck coming up at the end of the month, January 27th. A healthy roster of folks, and we're going to have a great broadcast, by the way, from Brewers on deck. We'll be on the air from noon until 430 and, uh, in fact, they're going to start the coverage on 94.5 ESPN-FM at 10 o'clock. So from 10 to noon, you can check out some uh, Brewers programming from the Wisconsin Center. Then we pick up from noon to 4.30. And uh, a great lineup of guests, uh, Keston Hira, Bob Buecher, Ryan Braun, all scheduled to join us uh, as part of the program. Christian Yelich, as you might expect, Travis Shaw, Jimmy Nelson, uh, just a, a loaded slate. So if you're not able to make it to the event at the Wisconsin Center on January 27th, Definitely tune in to WTMJ between noon and 4.30. Check out 94.5 ESPN-FM from 10 to noon. Uh, you will get all sorts of Brewers stuff. And uh, always a fun day. And a sold-out event this year, Brewers on Deck, January 27th. He will be there. The guy joining us on the line right now, he's the newest member of the Milwaukee Brewers. He signed on January 4th. Happy to be joined by utility man Corey Spangenberg. Corey, do I have this right? You have played every position in your major league career aside of catcher and first base? Yeah, that's it. Um, <laughs> last year I checked off the shortstop and pitcher, and uh, you know I only have two, two more positions to go. Do you want to fulfill that obligation? Does it feel like you've got to make it happen now before your career ends? I'd love to. I've hit one through nine in the order, and I'd love to say I hit one through nine and play all nine positions. I think that would be a pretty cool feat. All right, you got to be honest with me now. The first time you went to the mound to pitch in a major league game, what's going through your mind there? Uh, I was worried about having a comeback or hit at me. So right when I threw it, I would stick my glove up, and uh, hopefully the ball didn't come back at me. See, I think it would have been funny if you would have argued balls and strikes. <laughs> I think I'd do it a couple of times. I think I was going <laughs> to squeeze this time or two. Just, just really needle in on the umpire? <laughs> yeah. Need all the help I can get out there. Well, uh, you were a part of a Padres team last year. The Brewers opened up in San Diego, and uh, boy, it feels like a long time ago that the season started a, a season ago. Now you're a member of the Milwaukee Brewers. The deal became final on January 4th. When did it appear to you, Corey, that the Brewers were interested and in, in a deal could get done? Uh, you know, right when the Padres let me go, um, I think the Brewers were the first team to contact me. Uh, they were definitely the most aggressive. 
And uh, I think they were the best fit for me on paper. So what makes you say that? Why was it a, such a, a good marriage? Um, you know, I'm familiar with some of the staff. Pat Murphy was my uh, first pro ball coach. Um, he was the interim manager with the Padres. I have a really good relationship with him. Uh, Jason Lane was a pitcher with the Padres when I was there. Um, so I, I'm familiar with the staff. And then, you know, honestly, I, I just believe the Brewers play the kind of baseball that that I am accustomed to and how I feel I play the game of baseball. You know, it's interesting watching the way things were done last year with the Brewers. It it felt like it was they were doing it a different way with how they used their starting staff and calling them initial outgetters and so on. And, you know, a reliever might come in for batter number two of a game. And it also looked like sort of positionless baseball in the infield at times. That seems to suit you rather well because of your versatility. Was that part of the draw here? I think it was. I think the way uh, Craig uses uh, all his players and, uh, you know, the way he uh, has his players be versatile, I think that fits my game. And uh, I think my first four years with the Padres, like you said, I played every position but two. I just think it fits the mold. Corey Spangenberg joining us on Brewers Weekly. Corey, are you for or against the shift in Major League Baseball? Seems to be a a big item of discussion this offseason. Um, you know what? It, it is what it is. Uh, I don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon. And I think uh, players just have to make an adjustment to it. I, it seems to me that you, you, you're within the rules to just find the way to get as many outs as possible as soon as possible if you're playing defense. And if you want to have six guys in the outfield, hey, that's up to you. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, it, it's, it's tough because I could see both ways of it. Um, but at the same time, if uh, you're a hitter, you, you just need to make adjustments. So what do you know about Milwaukee? I know you'll be in town for the on-deck event coming up later this month. Um, you know, I've been there two times. I think it has like a, a smaller town or smaller city feel, which I love. Um, you know, I'm from a small town in uh, outside of Scranton, Pennsylvania, so that's kind of what I'm uh, used to. That's, uh, that's what what I like. So where are you right now? Are you back home, or do you, do you have a home away from home somewhere? Um, I'm back in Clark Summit, Pennsylvania. It's uh, my home, born and raised there. And uh, I'll stay out here till uh, February 3rd, then I head out to Arizona. So how does that work for you? I know a lot of the brewers have residences not too far away from Maryvale uh, in the greater Phoenix area. Do you just post up in a condo or uh, in a glorified hotel? What do you do for that month or so of spring training? Yeah, uh, we got a two-month lease, just a uh, Airbnb, a little little shack in in downtown Phoenix, so we're about 15 minutes away from the ballpark and just stay there for a couple months. So uh, we, as in uh, you and the family? Yeah, me and my wife. Okay. And that's that's it. So winter has an end date for both of you. That's a good thing, right? (laughs) Yes, it is. It's starting to get cold here, so looking forward to getting out to Arizona. So what is an ideal spring training for you? What what do you hope to accomplish? What do you hope to prove uh, to Brewers fans who may not know your game and ultimately the coaching staff? Um, you know that that I'm the kind of player that I was drafted to be. Um, I want to go out with the, you know, I'm a blue collar player. I want to I play the game the right way all the time, and I want to show them that and prove to people that I can be an everyday guy. You know, you didn't spend too much in the minor leagues, Corey. Do I have this right? Just you know, three seasons, and I don't know if you were called up or not at any point with the Padres to help shorten it. But it, it seemed like after being drafted in the first round it was kind of an accelerated plan to get you to the big leagues. Yeah, it was. Um, I had two sets of two concussions. 
um, that took up half, half my years in 12 and 14 um, that slowed down the process a little bit. But, yeah, I was on the fast pass and uh, got up in 2014, and then it's been pretty much in the big leagues from then on. Corey, we've reached the point of the interview where we like to play a game called Five Questions. Are you eager to play? Yeah, let's do it. All right, here we go. Question number one, the first thing you bought with your Major League Baseball signing bonus? Um, I bought a pontoon boat for my dad and my grandpa. <laughs> All right. Question number two, who do you know that reminds you of a cartoon character? Um, probably my best friend from back home. Uh, reminds me of Goofy. Just a big, tall, lanky kid who's uh, goofy and uh, he's just fun to be around. Would you like to give his name so we can really throw him under the bus? Dan Smith. Question three, the worst weather condition you ever played baseball in? Um, probably my senior year of high school is sleeting outside and we were playing. Pineapple on pizza, yes or no? No. Question five, the TV show The Office provides an accurate portrayal of Scranton, Pennsylvania. <laughs> it it kind of does. It's uh, pr- pretty spot on with a lot, of, a lot of their usage. Corey, good stuff, my friend. Good to talk to you and uh, looking forward to meeting you. We'll be set up at the uh, Brewers on Deck event and... I don't know if you know much about this or if people have prepared, but it's a, a sold-out event. It's dead of winter in Milwaukee. The Packers aren't in the playoffs. The Bucks are playing very well, and that's good. But, you know, people are starting to feel it's it's almost time for baseball here. Yeah, I can't wait to come out and uh, meet the Brewer faithful, and I'm excited for it. And Corey, thanks for spending some time with us tonight. We'll talk to you soon, man. Thanks so much. Thanks, Greg. Really appreciate it. Good stuff. Corey Spanishberg, one of the newest members of the Milwaukee Brewers. Vegas looks at the Brewers and says, yeah, that team's worth about 83 and a half wins. Too high, too low, just about right. 414-799-1620. The Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Take your thoughts after this on WTMJ. Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Greg Matzik with you till 9 o'clock tonight. Uh, if you missed any of Yasmani Grandal's introductory press conference in milwaukee a couple of days ago we'll play a chunk back for you coming up in the final half hour of the program we'd love to hear from you tonight at 414-799-1620 that is the acunet mortgage talk and text line a couple of little things here number one are you comfortable with where the brewers are at at this point of the off season still you know a few months away from the regular season beginning but a month away from you know, things really getting going at spring training. So, what, uh, two, two and a half months from now, the regular season will begin, roughly. And the Brewers will report for spring training, or at least pitchers and catchers will, on February 13th. Do you like where things stand today? Players who are under contract who avoided arbitration. Jimmy Nelson is back. They found Yasmani Grandal. They still have a little work to do. But I think if we learned anything from David Stearns is that he has his price. Uh, He tends not to overspend, but he's certainly not afraid to pull a deal. 414-799-1620, that's question number one. And along with that, I I think it's kind of a a complimentary discussion here. The Vegas over-under win totals, if you look at the Milwaukee Brewers right now, it's 83.5. Now, it's not necessarily that's what Vegas thinks the Brewers are going to do. They will finish the season somewhere around that 83-win mark. They like to get money moving on the hot teams, as we had a caller put earlier in tonight's program. So the Cubs are at 89. The Cardinals are, what, 88 and a half. The Pirates and Reds are both you know, mid to upper 70s range. And the Brewers are at 83 and a half. Do you feel like that's just about right or a little bit low for this Milwaukee Brewers team? I'll take your thoughts here at 414-799-1620. Uh, at this point in the offseason, 
the moves that have been made, and we kind of saw this in mid-October, or really toward the end of October when the season was coming to an end, you weren't expecting big-time changes with this Milwaukee Brewers roster. Yeah, the biggest decision maybe to be made was with regard to Jonathan Scope. Yeah, he was a player who I just didn't think worked out. I didn't really care to see him back in Milwaukee. Maybe a fresh start would do him well. I hope he does well. He got picked up by Minnesota. Maybe the American League's better than the National League for Jonathan Scope. I don't know. But it did not work out well for Scope in a short time in Milwaukee. David Stearns admitted it. They moved on. That was that. I appreciate a general manager who recognizes when a move he made just didn't work out. He's very honest about it. Parted ways with the player. Did not become a lingering issue. So you moved on from Jonathan Scope. That was the first big decision to be made. And then a couple of interesting trades. You traded away some depth in the outfield. It is a position the Brewers are very deep. Even a guy like Corey Spangenberg, who we just spoke to, capable of playing the outfield. Hernan Perez, capable of playing the outfield. Along with your incumbents. But no more Keon Broxton, no more Domingo Santana. They were both out of minor league options. And... You know, questionable in terms of how they could produce for the team moving forward. Down year for Domingo after a 30-home run season the year before. Now they've got Ben Gamble, who is a lefty stick at the plate and a corner outfielder, capable. So they traded away some depth. They picked up a depth player. It's been those kinds of moves here for the Brewers. And, and really, the Yasmani Grandal, that would classify as the headliner. But is there another headliner to be made? Let's talk to Scott in Sheboygan on WTMJ. Hi, Scott. Hi. Uh, good, good to be with you tonight. Um, yeah, I, I really like where the Brewers are at right now, but I'd, I'd like to see them get a really good stud starting pitcher. I think that would really put the coup de grace to, to this lineup. So what excites you when you when you say stud starting pitchers, Scott? I mean, are you talking about like Zach Greinke, Jacob Degrom, ace material, or are you talking about somebody who is just rock solid, can be a in the Brewers system a, a one, two, or three somewhere in there? What are you thinking when you say stud? Well, I'm thinking like a number one pitcher, a big big name. I know they're expensive, but uh, maybe there's a deal to be made. Uh, maybe there's a you know that. Diamond in the rough, that could be a two or three, but, uh, you know, maybe go, go for broke. And, uh, cause I, I really think we got a nice team put together and they've had the last two seasons very good. Um, yeah, we're so close, you know. It, it, it is right there. So one game away from the World Series, and uh, you know the Cardinals are always going to be in the discussion. The Cubs are still pretty good. That's a talented roster. But the Cardinals go ahead and find an MVP caliber player in Paul Goldschmidt. That's a difference maker, no question. Would a move to sign a, a Dallas Keuchel kind of a counterbalance that move made by the St. Louis Cardinals? I don't know. But that may be the best one out there in terms of free agents. Uh, the 31-year-old is going to be looking for a lot of money and an extended deal. Somewhere a little shy of the neighborhood, I would think, of Jake Arrieta. You think that's fair, Ashton, right? Yeah. I think maybe that's, maybe that's, not that kind of money, but not too far off. That's the right estimation. So in terms of currency, how much do the Brewers have to spend? They're already over $100 million right now. And I don't imagine it going too far south before the season begins. 
How many wins is Dallas Keuchel worth? I'm assuming he's the best free agent pitcher on the market right now. I think so. And a guy you wouldn't have to trade for, it's, it's money. It's money, right? You're not giving up prospects. He's a free agent. If you're talking about Sonny Gray with the Yankees, and that appears to be a sour situation, then you're talking about prospects and money. What do you do? Right? Do you make the big splash? You still need a second baseman, too. If I tell you Dallas Keuchel is worth four wins, is that is that good enough, do you think? Is that, is that enough for you? I think it is because it, in baseball it's always very difficult, I think, to do the wins above replacement sort of thing with a pitcher because the rotations are in flux constantly. And really with the Brewers, the way they use their starting pitchers makes that a kind of an interesting advanced metric to look at. Amazingly, the Brewers were one game away from the World Series with one pitcher who had double-digit wins. That is uncommon, in my opinion. And I, they, I don't know if they've created the blueprint for what other teams are going to do, but do you really imagine it to be much different this year than it was last year with regard to how pitchers are used? So, sure, all right, Corbin Burns, maybe he's not in the starting rotation, but he's getting those innings that are much more than just your ever, everyday standard reliever. He's going three, four at a time, perhaps. I don't know. I, it is it is so interesting watching the Brewers use their pitching. I am less interested in the starting pitcher as I am who is coming in next. That's how it was in the playoffs, anyway. Nathan joining us next in Watertown. Nathan, you're on WTMJ. Hey, thank you for taking my call. Sure. Um, for me, I... I just see with David Stearns and his progress during the tenure he's been in in Milwaukee, they've progressed better. So I see the 82 or 83 wins, you know, as kind of a slap in the face for the Brewers from Vegas standpoint. But, you know, looking at guys like still Wade Miley, um, the outkitters for the Brewers, you know, Brandon Woodruff, I could see him in the, in the bullpen doing great things, um, just extending that um, starting pitching, too. So, um, to me, I don't feel like a Keiko being, you know, he'd be great for the Brewers, but at the same time, you know, Brewers are big in the outgetters, so that's just my opinion. Yeah, I appreciate the phone call, Nathan. So the last four years, the Brewers have gone from 68 wins to 73, 73 to 86, and 86 to 96. I don't know if the Brewers are much better or are going to be much better than they were a year ago, but I feel like they're better than 86 wins, and that's where they were in 2017. Did you know last year they were also at 83 and a half wins? As, as the, Is that right? Yeah, which I, I, I had to double-check that three times to make sure it was the same number, which I, I don't know if this is just too early, because I think Caesars Palace is the one that released this year's odds. I don't know if it's just too early and they're not sure, but it seems very odd that a team that jumped in 10 actual wins stays the same with the over-under total. Do you know what the Cubs and Cardinals were a year ago? My guess is that the Cubs were over 90, and the Cardinals were in that 86 range. Cubs were 93.5, and, and the Cardinals were at 86. Okay, right, nailed it. So, okay, yeah. So I, what, what this is showing me is that the folks in the desert either want to get money moving on the big teams quote-unquote, big teams. Or they just feel that the Cubs and Cardinals are a better team than the Milwaukee Brewers. Hey, that's fine. If you thought so last year, great. Brewers responded with a 96-win season. It's pretty impressive stuff. 
Uh, there are, I still believe, a couple of questions with this Brewers team. They are loaded in certain areas. The outfield looks great. Bullpen still looks outstanding to me. Catcher has been figured out. Interchangeable parts in the infield, that's great. Second baseman, is there room for a starting pitcher? And if you're making up a rotation today, do you have a five-man rotation? Can you pick one out? We'll try and do that before the program ends. If you missed a conversation with uh, Yasmani Grandal, he was introduced to members of the media a couple of days ago at Miller Park. We've got a chunk of that coming up for you after this on WTMJ. About 20 minutes left in the program tonight. It's Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. I'm Greg Matzik. We're back again tomorrow night with a three-hour Sports Central, taking you into the weekend. And it uh, could be a sloppy one out there. Be careful. Get the salt, get the snowblower all jazzed up, or, uh, I don't know, start stretching out your back if you have to shovel. Snow is on its way. First major snow of the season. You know, should be coming at some point this weekend. Uh, that's plenty of time for Yasmani Grandal to get out of Milwaukee. I assume. I, I don't know how this all works, right? You come in for your introductory press conference. Yeah, go somewhere. And then you come back for the Brewers on Deck event. And the Brewers will be assembling in Arizona in a little less than a month. It must be nice to have the leisure of just flying whenever you want. Yes. Yes, it is, I'm sure. Ashton, is Monty Grandal introduced to members of the Milwaukee media a couple of days ago? If uh, you missed any of that, we've got a chunk for you right here. I don't know, a three-headed monster in the bullpen? <laughs> so yeah that that's uh no i, I think uh you know, in my opinion uh this is one of the most complete teams in in in, in baseball uh, I, i've seen where where are they trending i mean they've made the right moves um i like the way they play i like the way that um you know it seems like that the clubhouse has a, a great feel to it uh, I feel like they click, um, and it showed last last season, especially late in late in the year, where they were they were able to make a big run. So um, the fact that they did that, you know, uh, it shows that they're built to win, and they're built to win now. So uh, for me, it was just a matter of getting onto uh, another contending team, and hopefully uh, helping them uh, reach their goals and. Uh, that's where I stand now. Not a huge sample size, but your numbers are pretty good here. How inviting is that right field porch and hitting at Miller Park? Uh, I think uh, about 85% of uh, all major league ballparks would have been good for me uh, as long as it wasn't uh, Peco Park and uh, <laughs> Dodger Stadium. But no, um, I, I, I love hitting here. I love playing here. Um, I also took into account why we wanted to we wanted to come here. So um, yeah, it's going to be exciting to be away from uh, those pitcher friendly ballparks. Craig, from your perspective, how exciting is it to add Yasmani, and what do you think he's going to do both for the lineup and for the pitching staff? We're certainly very excited. Um, I think um, you know, as in, in the National League, as you kind of look at lineups around the league. You know the the lengthening your lineup is is so important, um, and it's it's a you know you always have the pitcher at the bottom of the spot lineup that that is you know, if you feel like one with one kind of out and so just lengthening the lineup with tough outs throughout the lineup um, is really important and you know adding adding a, a switch hitter to that to that mix um, 
you know, that's going to be a consistent presence in the lineup is something that uh, is new for us, um, and it's, it's something that's going to be very valuable. Um, so we've, we've added a very good offensive player to the lineup. Um, defensively, his, you know, he's, he's proven how good he is in, in the staff that he's caught, um, in um, you know, the, the receiving numbers that he's generated and, and how important that is. It's, it's a very important part of the game. And uh, he's very good. Yasmani is very good at it. So we'll continue to, to work on that and improve on that. Um, we've already started talking about, um, you know, different ways to approach kind of hitters and scouting reports. And, and Yasmani brings a, a fresh something, a fresh some fresh eyes to that for us, which I think is a great thing um, for us to find some new ways to, to get better at, at that kind of part of the game. Yosmani, what did you learn last year from just what happened in the, in the playoffs here, and, and what makes you better when, as you went through those struggles? Um, knowledge. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I um, I take everything that's given to me, and you know I plan for the future. So hopefully this time around, um, my plan is better. Um, that's pretty much it. I think we need to. As an individual, I need to keep improving, and the only way to improve is by, you know, gathering as much uh, information as I can gather, and uh, in order to build that plan for the future. Yasmani Grandal struggled mightily in the postseason last year. Had a terrible NLCS. Was ultimately benched for a more defensive-minded catcher. Pass balls were an issue. He was striking out a lot, and. I don't know what to glean from it. I mean, the guy had a, a, an outstanding regular season the last three years. Did very consistent numbers with power in run production. Average has been fine. Uh, defensively, he's not been a liability. Pass balls were extreme last year. They were a problem for Yasmani Grandal a season ago. Uh, I can only look at the number of games he played. He's over 150 games played last season, if you include the postseason. That, for a catcher, is pretty extreme. So I, I don't know if he ran out of gas or what the issue was, but that's a lot of games to be played for any catcher. I can't imagine he would be uh, at that total for the Brewers next season. Brewers catching is in pretty good shape with the addition of Yasmani Grandal. Pitching. A lot of starting pitching options here for Craig Council, and this is you know independent of a move that could be made between now and when spring training begins. And I'll even include Wade Miley's name in the mix for now, just as part of the argument here, but how do you make these decisions, assuming everyone is healthy? We'll take a closer look at the players involved after this on WTMJ. Brewers Weekly returns on WTMJ. Greg Matzik with you. About 10 minutes left in the program. Winding down the offseason here. Pretty impressive, right? We've, We've made it. We've gotten to this point. We're about a month away from pitchers and catchers reporting Spring training, of course, uh, the ultimate tease for a baseball fan. If you're not going, if you're not going to be a part of it, not all the games are broadcast. We did get our broadcast schedule today, though, Ashton. Did you see it? Our spring training broadcast schedule? I did see it. So there are going to be 15 Cactus League games broadcast on WTMJ, and it's about two per week, and then the weekends are also covered, and 94.5 ESPN-FM is going to carry four games. So you'll have 19 games total broadcast between uh, our family of networks. So good stuff. And it begins uh, in late February, amazingly. We'll be down there at some point uh, with Sports Central from spring training in the later part of February or early part of March. Definitely looking forward to that. Doug and Baraboo joining us on WTMJ. Hello, Doug. Hi, Greg. Good evening. Hello. 
Hey, I'm real comfortable with uh, where we stand right now. Uh, locking in that catcher, uh, Rondahl is, uh, is, uh, is is a super move. Um, I I think with uh, Pena and Katz, if, if they both uh, stay on the team, we're gonna we're gonna be in uh, good shape. I was kind of hoping for somebody around 260, 270 average, but uh, it looks like uh, with him batting from the left side, when he does, he could put it over the wall quite quite easily compared to Chavez Ravine. So that maybe that will bring up that average. And then for second, the only thing I'm looking for is, is a second baseman now that I think everybody else is. And I, and I hope he is at least a 250 uh, uh, batting average. But what, um, the, the thing going, what I like so much is the depth of the, of the Brewers going into spring training, especially in the pitching department. I think it's going to be the most fun to watch than any uh, recent or, you know, going back a ways uh, season that we've had as far as the competition um, for pitching. And I'm real interested to see what you come up with with your five starting pitchers. Yeah, I don't have a great answer for you, Doug. I wish I did. I mean, I was just going through this and putting numbers next to names and trying to figure it out. Appreciate the phone call. Here's what I came up with. Chase Anderson, Corbin Burns, Yoli Shasin, Junior Guerra, Zach Davies, Jimmy Nelson, Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta are all in the mix as of today. Undecided, still could be involved. Wade Miley, he's on the outside of this whole picture looking in. So I, some of these guys will end up in the bullpen, but Shasin is probably your opening day starter. I'm going to guess Jimmy Nelson's healthy enough to start the season, ready to rock. Now you might say, Greg, he's not going to be stretched out. He's, he's not going to be ready to throw 80, 90 pitches. Is that a problem with the way the Brewers operate with their pitchers? I don't think it is. Um, and I, I just, I guess, don't see Jimmy Nelson coming out of the bullpen. I, I guess I just don't see that. I'll say Brandon Woodruff has a good shot to be a third starter. And then I'm looking at either Burns, Chase Anderson, Junior Guerra, I, some combination. I, I don't know about Zach Davies. I, I don't. Something's got to get good in a hurry. I think with Zach Davies, I'm taking last year as a lost year, and just moving on. That's that's how I'm viewing it with, with okay. Davies. Okay. Now the other guy involved is Freddie Peralta, but again, not, now you're looking at your bullpen and in the way that Craig Council uses the bullpen. Y- you have to look at these guys a little differently than with most teams. So just because I say today, well, yeah, Chase Anderson's a starter, I, it doesn't mean he's better than Freddie Peralta and therefore deserves to be a starter. It's a matter of how they've been used and how they're most effective. I, I don't know that Chase Anderson would be an effective guy out of the pen. I don't think he's ever done it before. Freddie Peralta has. You could really screw up your mind trying to figure out the Brewers pitching staff. You can really screw yourself up. It's fun. There's room for more, absolutely. But those are some of the names in play. Wrap up the program with some final thoughts after this on Brewers Weekly. Wrapping things up on Brewers Weekly, presented by Miller Lite on WTMJ. Let's grab Pete in Milwaukee. Pete, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, I just wanted to say I think uh, one of the reasons uh, Vegas is having a hard time with giving the Brewers more than 83 wins is they don't know what to do with the pitching staff that the Brewers are building. And I really believe that you may be seeing a new phase of baseball coming in where it's going to become more and more about starters going three, four innings. I mean, pitchers, uh, as they get to be seen the second or third time by hitters, 
hitters are going to start hitting better. And the more often I think the Brewers are realizing, the less a hitter sees the same guy, uh, the harder it is for him to hit. And uh, he has to keep getting those closer to those 27 outs. And that's really what it boils down to is get 27 outs, score more runs than the other team. No, you're right, Pete. Now, the Brewers are in a... I don't know if they're ahead of the curve, but they certainly used their pitchers differently than most teams in Major League Baseball a season ago. And that's why I go through that list of names and uh, you know eight strong. That's not including other members of the bullpen in the back end, the guys who can close out a game, the high levered seventh, eighth, ninth inning sort of players. There's plenty of pitching. It's just a matter of how they are deployed and how they are used. But you're right to have one starting pitcher with double-digit wins on a team that was one win away from the World Series. Pretty impressive stuff, and maybe a sign of how baseball is trending. It's certainly there in Milwaukee. Um, I don't know. You have to have pretty good depth, remarkable depth, to be able to do what the Brewers were able to do last season. Out of time on the program. We're back again tomorrow with a three-hour Sports Central beginning at 6 o'clock.